we had this plan that we wanted to get to a million a month. And then we actually put it down on paper. Me and Joe sat down. We read, read it all out. We had this big like Figma board. And I was like, fuck, I don't want to run this. All right, folks, we have our, I think our first in-person podcast. I'm pretty sure. And I couldn't have picked a better person. Jordan Platten. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah, that's right. Man. Amazing. Amazing. All the way from across the pond. Um, you live over in London. Or yeah. about of London. Uh, I'm, like, I'm like I'm like two hours north of London. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. so I've realized that is a thing where because uh, we had the roadshow in London that you didn't come to because you were out Mister Worldwide <laughs> traveling, um, but a lot of people don't actually live in London. Like a lot of people are, are live because you guys' train system isn't bad, especially well when people don't strike, it's a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but we had a lot of people uh, come into that. So uh, anywho, welcome. Thank you for coming to Austin. We're actually going to take him out to some barbecue after this. Shout out Lambert's. Um, but for people that don't know you, kind of tell them what you do. Where have you been? You're you're pretty young. You're 28. We just talked offline, and you really have the world by the ball. So, kind of, how did you get here? Cool, man. So, firstly, thank you. This has been a long time coming. Um, love in Austin, beautiful city. It's beautiful city. <laughs> Shout out. Um, so, yeah, I. Do you want me to start from the start? Like, where do you want me to start from? Like, yeah. How did you get involved in entrepreneurship? For uh, cool. First, yeah, because for people that know, he runs an incredible agency called Affluent, really, really big on YouTube. But like, you just didn't start there, right? Like, yeah. So I don't actually even know your origin yeah. story. So it'd be cool to hear it. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, I've always been like, uh, like as a kid, I had I'd always wanted, I always knew I wanted to do something different. Yeah. I, I never had uh, pocket money for my parents. Yeah. Uh, I had amazing parents, but they, they taught me to work for myself. And so yeah. I got a job at 13 years old doing like Jeez. a paper round, like amazing. putting, putting out papers in a local village for like 15 pounds, like $20 amazing. a week amazing. for like an hour a morning. Um, and so I did that. And then I, then I progressed to a little school business. Where I used to draw Pokemon cards yeah. and I used to draw them on a bit of paper and sell them for a pound each. And there you go. Um, and so I just kind of like, I had a lot of jobs. I had, I had 12 jobs before the age of 21 years old. I got sacked from three of them. I was a bit of an employee's nightmare. I never yeah. really did well with authority in school. Yeah. I didn't really like the concept that I yeah. was, I had to learn certain subjects. So I wanted to learn the things that I wanted to learn. I, that's why I got into creative subjects. I used to like drama and yeah. I used to want to be an actor when I was younger interesting um so um like proper movie actor yeah like, like movie acting so i used to go okay. i used to go to like a weekend drama school and i yeah. used to i used to act on stage theater musical yeah. bits like singing dancing yeah, and yeah. but that wasn't the angle i wanted to go down i kind of just thought okay that's what i have to do to get into that so so that kind of fell off but um i had a lot of jobs and i really struggled with the authority in, in jobs and in school yeah. and so i i, I seeked more creative roles, something yeah. that allowed me to express myself. And so I actually ended up studying architecture in university because in the UK, I don't know, I think it's the same in the States, but there's a big pressure of going to university. It's yeah. like you kind yeah. of have to go and your parents will shame you if you don't. Yes. Um, so my dad said, look, if you want to earn some money, then then we need to, you need to do architecture because you're also creative. So yeah. I did that um, for two years and then I uh, lost love with the subject when I realized that I'd have to study for eight years to make yeah. 35k a year yeah. starting salary. So I'm not waiting for this. So I started, I was going out a lot, like partying like yeah. most people do in yeah. uni. Um, I actually started a nightclub event business. Well, I actually was PRing on the street to start off with, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I was doing all the work for this guy and he wasn't ever turning up. And so I actually, I was like a good PR. Like I, I was, I was getting a lot of people in. Um, and I, it was like almost a bit of an MLM. I had some people underneath me and they were getting <laughs> people good. in as well. Um, and 
And and so basically uh, what happened is I went to the nightclubs and I said, look, I'm doing all the work here. Like I'm getting the people in. This guy who's running it is just like waltzing around, like not doing anything. Uh, give me the contract or I'm going to leave. Yeah. And every single one of these events, we're doing four events a week. Uh, every single owner of the club actually agreed to doing that. So That's I pulled cool. the rug from underneath this guy's business, um, which he wasn't happy about, uh, as you can imagine. But I had this, I was running these four nightclub a week in, in the city where I would take all the money from the door and the club yeah. would take all the money from the bar, uh, which was cool. And we built this whole team around uni. But I stopped then attending uni yeah. and I ended up getting kicked out of, okay. of, of uni. As you do. Um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Uh, January 2017, I want uh, no, that's way before that, like January 2016, 2015, yeah. something. I was like 21 years old. Yep. Um, and I'm like, wow, okay, now I'm in all this debt. I'm like 35 case worth of debt. I'm running this business, but actually it's January. No one wants to go out. They've lost all their money for yeah. Christmas. It's like a low period. Uh, and that business started failing. And okay. so I, nightclubs are like a weird place. It's like, it's just like this false sense of ego. People going there, buying bottles of champagne and just like, it's really (laughs) weird, right? And so I had this inflated sense of self. And so I had this, people thought I was a certain guy, right? And so I had to maintain that. Um, And I ended up getting myself in thousands of debt, like six to eight K on credit card debt, uh, just paying rent, but also like buying shit still and looking cool. Like that's like, and I didn't pay my friends and my family. I had this, it was, it was, it was low, man. It yeah. was like, it was, a, it was a low. And I was like, how do I get out of this? And so um, I thought, well, I've done PRing. What's something similar to this talking? And I, I looked into sales. Yeah. So I fell into corporate sales. I jumped into a boiler room environment, hundred cold calls a day. I was absolutely useless. I used to walk to the edge of the office, literally like trembling, like with holding my script in hand. Uh, but I was forced into this corner and I was like, okay, I need to get out of this debt. And so I uh, remembered what I learned in drama. And if you want to be a good actor, then you have to learn the script and you have to put your own tonality on it. And everyone else was walking around like an idiot, being in there for like three years, holding their same script. They'd never actually taken the time to learn it. So I did that. And within three months, I was in the top three performance of that company. Wow. Yeah. And I paid off that debt and that felt incredible. Uh, And for three years following that, I jumped from company to company year after year because I wanted to progress more. And I was earning like 50K a year at 23 years old, which is a a lot of money to be earning at that age uh, in the UK anyway. Uh, it's like $60,000 or yeah. something. Um, but I was looking around the office one day and I was, I was like, everyone was talking about the, how many holidays days they had left. Yeah. And, and I was like, I don't, I don't want this life. Like I have more money than I've ever had, but I'm saving all year for one holiday that's over before it even starts. I'm like, this isn't, something drew me to entrepreneurship in the initial stages. Something drew me to that in school. Something drew me to that in, in uni. And that same urge um, came back yeah. when I was when I when I had that sales success, and I just started looking online as to companies that I could start. Um, and social media marketing was something that just made a lot of sense to me because 100%. it's a sales based industry. I'd, I'd already gone through that dog eat dog, hundred cold calls, like rejections. I was always hardened to that. Hundred percent. Started the agency two weeks later, signed my first two clients, quit, replaced my outgoings, quit my job. Three months later, made my first ten k month. Um, and 12 months after that, we had our first million do- uh, million dollar year, technically. So, wow. Yeah. What a journey. I have a similar vein, but I didn't get to do the, I, my cold call analog is, uh, I worked for a nonprofit for a little while and it was the same, same, but different of like, this ain't the path. Like, yeah. <laughs> I got to get out of that. The cold calling though, it's interesting, man. There's a lot of people that have when you life throws you kind of those challenging times, it can really be f- not only transformative, but formative of who you are. And mm. it shows you kind of where you can be and what you want to do. Yeah. Um, Cause there's a, a great line by Nietzsche where it's like, 
you want to almost, I'm paraphrasing here, but wish ill will upon your friends because then you know who you really are. Like yeah. you don't really know who you really are mm-hmm. until like you always want to say I'm the guy that's going to run into the fire, but yeah. You never really know until there's an actual fire like fuck yeah. that, I'm not running in <laughs> yeah, there. For sure. And that's so cool, man. I think that's such an awesome there's so much character built in being forced to figure out how to get shit done and mm-hmm. get out of the I had the same tribulations of uh wasn't super great with money. Uh, I, I used to be a mall rat. And so I used to work in the malls and stuff. And working in a mall was terrible because like it, it's very similar to that nightclub vibe of like you're in a store that you can't afford, but they mm. give you a little bit of discount to buy it. So you end up like wearing these clothes and like you're yeah. putting on this persona like to your drama class of like, this isn't why I can't afford this shit. It's yeah. all on credit cards. It's all on this stuff. And like there's a certain uh, coming back to the world. That's such a cool story, man. That's crazy. And so now you're doing affluent, you're still doing billionaire boys club or just affluent or what, what are you getting into now? So we, yeah, we have, um, we have affluent and, um, that's our marketing agency. Yep. So we still run that. We work with econ yep. brands and we, we scaled that out. And, um, then through that, I actually launched YouTube channel because yep. initially I knew that I, I wasn't great with like sticking to some one yep. thing in a long time. So I started YouTube as self accountability. Yep. So I was like, if I'd say this to people, my parents, my friends, then if I don't do it, then I'm going to look like an idiot, yep. right? So um, I documented that. And then we started getting other agencies reaching out, being like, okay, how are you doing this? How are you scaling? How are you getting results? And initially, I would just jump on coaching calls with people and I'd just do that for free. But then I didn't have enough time to actually run my own business. Yeah. So then I launched an educational product off the back of that, which That's was called right. the Social Media Marketing School initially, yeah. where we taught agency owners. Um, we then built that out. We've rebranded that to the Affluent Academy a few years ago, yeah. um, scaled that company out to, to over 100K a month profit. Um, and we've now taught over 2,500 agencies inside that initial program. And we've got like a high-end mastermind as well where we teach uh, all the agencies already doing like between 20 and we've got an agency doing like 300K a month in there as well. That's so amazing. just a close net, net group of people. So. That's amazing. When you were going through those hard times of like, you see this mountain of debt, you see a job, like you said, you didn't want to go to, Mm. how did you, like, was it just ingrained in you or how did you kind of just keep going like one foot in front of the other? Like, cause I have the, the same vibe where I had friends, especially, um, in the earlier years of my life where it was almost like you're in jail when you talk Mm. about holiday, right? Where it's like, Oh, I only got 20 more days to work and then I get to get out and go do something with my life. And you're like, why do I want to give? I always thought retirement was such a perplexing uh, idea, right? Where I give up the best parts of my life to then go like be old, sit on a beach and yell at people to get off my grass. Like it just never computed to me. So is there any like frameworks, books, mantras that you use to really, you know, stay the path? Because it's hard sometimes, right? When you're beat down, you can Mm. not like victim mentality, but you can go down some different pathways where it's like, man, everything's against me, yada, yada, yada. And it feels like you have such a awesome mindset. And so is there any tips or anything you can share with people? I I really think for me, it was pride. Like, I think like, I knew that I was the kid from when I was like, even like 16 years old, like we'd be at like a house party and everyone would be smashed, including myself. But I'd be standing outside. I didn't even smoke, but I'd be standing outside with the smokers because that's where people were talking, yeah, yeah. right? And I'd be saying like about all these ideas and I'd be talking about like businesses out there and I'd be saying about the things that I want to achieve and the things that I wanted to have. And I was just a shit talking kid. Yeah. Like I was always the shit talking kid, even in uni. Like when we, like, cause I got kicked out with a group of like three other friends that were working with me on that business. And, and like, we would just like sit up until late at night and I would just be talking and like, just 
just rambling at these people about what we were going to do collectively, what yeah. I, we were all going to achieve. And when I make it, we're all going to make it. And this yeah. is what we're going to do. And people like would look at me like, okay, man, yeah, yeah, cool, cool. Sounds good. Like whatever. And, and for me, like I didn't, I was never going to allow myself to be the person that was just the shit talking guy. Like yeah. I was never going to allow that to be the case. And, and I wanted to, prove it to those people that I could actually do what I was saying I could do and also I had this immense pressure on me when I got kicked out of university that if I didn't actually make something work then I had that on my shoulders as well yeah. and, and like my parents would be ashamed of me and then yeah. like I was just the guy that got removed from uni and then just got an average job you know yeah. so pride was probably the biggest thing for me that like kept me on track um which is probably not I, I think it's like it's something that people aren't uh, are not likely to admit but something that actually yeah. pushes a lot of people forward is just like Man, I'm, I'm, I think there is a certain, cause I'm a big, so I think there, like ego is a function of pride, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that ego is this weird monster that like, to your point, all the stuff that I've done of note is because of either pride or ego where it's like, that guy did it. I'm better than that person. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it better than them. Yeah. But then there's also like, you're a fucking chill dude. Like you're an awesome guy. So I think there's a certain aspect of like, balancing that competitiveness and ego and pride with mm. also trying to help people do things better, create value. Like, and so I'm with you, but I always have that, that I think there's some people that do it like to you, you like you're a perfect example. I think you do it really well where you're just a perfect mix of success, humility, but also ambition. And I think it's, it's hard sometimes to balance that because, uh, Sometimes in life you can win but lose, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah. And like you can lose things that really matter to win things that don't. So I 100% like agree with that. Like I think that a lot of people pay a big debt to, to, to success. Yeah. Like and, and like in the fact that they sacrifice humility and they sacrifice and people lose their head. People get entire God complexes and, and think the entire world is it now revolves around them and they can they can do anything at the expense of any person. Yeah. Right? Um, and, and I think pride will only get you so far. For me, it only actually got me to that initial taste of success. Yeah. What actually propelled me forward from there was when I saw the impact on other people that That's I was beautiful. having in the agency and the impact I was having when in my coaching business. Because then I was able to be the person that I wanted for me yeah. when I was 16, 17, 18 years old. When I was the shit talker, I was able to become the person that was like, do you know what, bro? I actually understand what you're talking about and, yeah. and I've got a pathway for you. I've got a vehicle yeah. that can help you get there. You That's know? beautiful, man. Yeah, I love that. Um, one last question before we wrap up the first segment. What's the nicest thing someone's done for you? The nicest thing someone's done for me? Oh, man. Nicest thing someone's done for me. That's a difficult one to that's answer. That's a stinger of a that's question. A, that's a really difficult thing to answer. What's the nicest thing that someone's done for me? Bro, I'm going to have to come back to you on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can punt. Absolutely. No, that's amazing. Okay. So this is the value add segment now. This is why people bought the ticket. So tell me about Affluent. Kind of give people the overview. I know you kind of touched on a high level. And then how did you spin up? Like give people kind of the pathway and then understanding what are some of the challenges? What are some of the best parts running it? Um, just kind of give some people some color into what your life looks like now. In the agency or in... In, in, in the agency world, yeah, in yeah. In the agency world. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the agency has, has been a really exciting journey. Yeah. Like with it's, it's, it's a challenge. I think like people, an agency, the funny thing about an agency is it's a, it's a really easy business to get into, but it's a really difficult business to scale. Like yes. it's a very difficult so business well, to scale. So well put. Um, 
And it's also incredibly hard to, it's, it's also easy to get okay results, but really hard to get great results. And, so well and, the, and the market is, is getting more and more sophisticated as yeah. time goes on. And agencies are having to, uh, having to compete at a different level that they, they were never having to before. Um, and so the agency has been a real journey, to be completely honest. Like it started yeah. off when we were just doing local business and, yeah. and we were just signing up clients and it just was going to be a bit of a gateway. We'd just make some money. And then we started moving into the e-commerce world. Um, and at the stage when we first joined into e-commerce, e-commerce was a completely different yeah. thing. I mean, it was just Facebook ads. We were literally just running images on Facebook ads, on carousel ads. And you're getting like 8x <laughs> ROAS, right? And it was like, wow, this is awesome. Like, let's keep doing this. We had big ROAS commission deals with clients yeah. and we're just making so much cash. And and then like obviously iOS 14 came along yeah. and then like TikTok came and like all this diversification of different platforms and, and UGC now yeah. as well. And then that UGC, I mean, the UGC is like in its like just as one thing on alone, like for an agency to build out the infrastructure to create UGC on actually, that's not a, that's not a simple feat. Like that's an entire department totally. just to be able to keep up with a new creative method, which is like trending right now, which totally one actually just to put it out there. I don't think it's going to last forever, but, um, it's, it's, it's just ongoing journey with the yep. agency and the key to that agency and the key to any agency, um, for me anyway, was bringing on a really good business partner. Yeah. So um, as I scaled out the agency and we launched the education product, um, a lot of my time was spending in the education. And I'll throw my hands in the end and say that that, that was more of a passion for me at that moment in time. Yeah. And I do get more satisfaction from that business. So I was like, I looked around our successful students and I found Joe who, who owned an agency. I forgot what his agency was called. At uh, that moment in time, but anyway, I bought him I out. I didn't know Joe was a yeah. He was a oh yeah, you met Joe. Of yeah, yeah, I love Joe. He's, of course, yeah, he's a man. So, so Joe was a student of I mine. I didn't know this. And then, oh, I, and cool. then, and then I bought. It was hold the frame. He was like a videographer, and he did like had a creative agency. And I saw that he was going to scale and like I bought his agency and then we merged clients and then we went 50, 50 and then, um, and then he took a shit ton of work off my plate. And yeah. then he's kind of been the driving force behind, behind scaling out a whole service delivery team and our whole kind of client fulfillment team. Another wonderful human. I did not know that's how you guys connected. Yeah. Shout yeah. out Joe. That's yeah. amazing. Jo I mean, how Joe actually reached out to me was even better of a story i mean joe used to be an olympic gb skier i don't know if you know that yeah really Trick skier like he could backflip and all of that stuff there so incredibly passionate person incredibly dedicated person he just reached out to me one day on facebook and was like hey man i watch your youtube videos and your intro shit like let me come <laughs> <laughs> like let me come to your house and record one for free and then we did that and he just embedded himself in my life and then just like never left like he just forced his way into into, into my life and then i was like he was just the obvious person in front of me at that moment yeah how amazing. Yeah, I can tell you that that is absolutely it. And I think you nailed it on the head in terms of agency life is hard. Mm. And I think you need to understand what you want out of your agency. Because mm. I used to run an agency. I worked at a bigger agency. Um, and then I ran my own boutique agency. And there was a certain point where it's like, what do you want? Right? Like, mm. do you want to run a big agency? Or do you want to have this boutique? Or like, because... To your point, Mike, I was in a point where if I was going to grow, I was going to take less money mm. because you got to hire people and then you got to fill that book. Yep. And then you basically just kind of keep running that mm. same thing of like acquisition, the acquisition, then you buy bandwidth. That bandwidth is then got to mm. get filled by getting clients and you assume. And so there's nothing wrong with big agencies, but I think there's just something you, you hit it on the head where it's you really need to understand kind of. The other thing is I think you really touched on is understanding what you're really good at 
and what you're not hire out for it yeah. where it's like if the, and you can be good at everything mm-hmm. quote unquote but like you can't do everything yeah it, it just is what it is and That's there needs to be like if you're amazing at education content charisma personality like all these things go find a joe where he can just plug in and be this ops machine acquisition machine blah blah and you can just go crush on this side and then you just have this this super symbiotic relationship that everybody wins and you're just creating so much value that's and to be fair hiring's hard like hiring's really hard it's, hiring is, is, is it's like a biggest difficulty at the moment very yeah. challenging and um even more so finding a partnership that works on the first try is really unique like yeah. that's really awesome because I've always joked about it, but I'd still stand by it where I think a business partnership's almost more intimate than like a, mm. a proper relationship Yeah, where there's, there's just no, it has to be this mind meld mm. or things get really weird, really yeah. fast. And, and also when you blur the lines of business and then friendship, when you actually become friends with your business partner, that's really difficult because yes. then like all of a sudden you're making decisions that are not just based on what's right for business, but what's right for my friendship. And like when you're talking about percentage ownership and equity and who gets to decide on this and that, and it's, it, it's a really tricky it's a really tricky path it is super tricky and i've found that um, kind of how you're doing it is the most and again there's always different configurations but whenever there is any imbalances it starts to get weird mm. maybe not at the beginning but the, but like when you have yeah. this kind of equal style ownership of like dude we're both gonna fucking crush and we're both gonna make yeah. a ton of money and let's do it that's great when I, i've had some people where they're in kind of a different percentage realm or mm. it's almost in that not even like a partnership it's almost like a a elevated employee Mm. and they can kind of get into especially if you're friends it can get into some really um unique quagmires yeah that's a joe what an awesome dude you you said something which i think is really important to to note for people is that like um you had there comes this point in an agency where you decide do i want to be this big behemoth or do i actually just want to like stay really lean um and there's a couple of things there's a couple of things off the back of that like number one like lots of agencies like diversified they hear about ugc and they're like okay we need you offer ugc now build out this whole infrastructure and 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 it actually can really damage their business if they're not set up for it like massively trying to do everything and like lots of agencies want to be full stack and try and do all these things we actually fell into the trap of ourselves we were offering email, Clavio. We, we're doing TikTok, we're doing Snapchat, YouTube, Google. We're actually in the midst of bring, of getting rid of pretty much every service that we offer apart from Facebook ads again, yeah. going back to what we used to do absolutely best because I do not want to run a 50-man, 100-man agency. Like, it is a it is a stressful business. Like, an agency, oh, you have your client retention, you've got your churn, and you, you get one or two big clients that are paying. Like, we had clients that have paid us, like, 50K a month on commission checks and ROAS they're not going to pay us forever. No brand in their right mind is going to pay an agency 50 grand forever. Okay. So then we can explore equity with them, but we didn't do that at the time. So we then lost this client. You're talking about like a 20% revenue of 25%, 30% revenue loss for departments that you've hired out for, right? It's a very stressful business in that regard. So we, we had this plan that we wanted to get to a million a month. And then we actually put it down on paper. Me and Joe sat down, we read, read it all out. We had this big like Figma board and I was like, fuck, I don't want to run this. Yes. Can I swear? Is that, yeah, okay, yeah, of course. Yeah, I was like, no, I don't want to run this. Yeah, yeah. Like, I just do not want this business. And so we decided we scaled right back down to around 200K a month with nine employees. Yep. So it's a small team, great profit margins. And we're just scaling up as leanly as we possibly can. But like, I don't want to become this behemoth agency. I see an agency almost as a gateway business yes. in some regard. Yes. Um, it kind of gets you onto the ladder and then other opportunities come off the back of it. I think that's a uh, beautiful. I'm much of the same vein. Again, we're not saying that big agencies are bad, but no, it's a, it's, it is like, man, agency life is just hard, great money, but it is just hard. And it, there's a certain aspect of when everything's going great, you're a genius. 
And then like one client has a problem. You're like, okay, meetings are fine. Two clients have a problem. Okay. Then like three client, the third client has a problem. And then it just rains, it pours and just, it is. Yeah. You're bringing me like PTSD again. (laughs) And the other thing too is, um, it's hard to find the balance of what you can give to people, uh, in terms of either media buyers or stuff, right? It's Mm. like, can you handle five accounts? Can you handle 10 accounts? Well, Mm. what, and all accounts aren't equal. And then it just gets into really weird quagmires where, um, I'm, I'm with you, man. I think running a lean agency is not only more efficacious for the client, mm. because a lot of times when you get to these bigger agencies, like you'll have like the lead guy or gal pitch you and like, this guy's amazing. This girl's amazing. Yeah. Yes, we're sign on dotted line. You'll never see that person again. Yeah. <laughs> it absolutely goes to like yeah. the lower level people. And it's yeah. just, it's one of those things where like the YC combinator thing of like do things that don't scale. I, I think there's a certain wisdom to that where you just get into some just some awkward conversations, awkward things. And then to your point, when you do make it, so I used to work for a big agency out of New York called Flatiron, and we were working with really, really big clients, big VC-backed companies, and we had crazy billings too. Where we mm. were charging 70, 80, 100K a month mm. billings. You're like, why don't we just hire an in-house marketing team? Like yeah. we can at, at yeah. worst pay the same amount of money in their in-house. And yeah. so we ended up having a lot of churn, not because we sucked, but because it was like we were billing them so yeah. much because we were spending so much money for them mm. that there was a certain aspect of like, okay, cool. That's great. But we're just going to hire a CMO. We're going to hire a senior media buyer and yeah. then, you know, creative director or something and off you go. And it's mm. going to be the exact same <laughs> monthly expense. And so it, it, I always found that challenging where, I think agencies, the sweet spot is like that one to hundred million kind of run rate business, really usually founder led. And then, but to your point, again, it just, there's a certain ceiling on the scale because then you have to bring on demand, but how do you bring on demand or uh, supply, but how do you bring on supply efficiently? You can't, you have to hire for the future. And there's, I can tell you just personally, like hiring into the future is terrible because you might have to let some people go because you can't acquire it. And that's an awkward conversation. They might've left good jobs to come to you and, Anyways, too long didn't read. I, I'm getting PTSD again from the agency <laughs> life. It's a it's a gig, man. It's a yeah. gig. I think the way you're running it is is the smart, and it's cool that you give people uh, a really awesome playbook. Yeah. What are some of the best acquisition channels? Do you think for agencies? Um. So at the minute, we're seeing like email. It's, yeah. it's great. Like yeah, yeah. just email, like going back to the classic. Like we yep. used to spend a lot of time doing Instagram DMs and so on. Now so many people. I mean, I, I get like. 30 dms myself every yeah. every day and like i don't even have an econ brand yeah. <laughs> yet um and, um and then um so email just going back to basics yeah. email but hyper personalized email like not just like spending like time or or not spending time just spamming out a thousand emails a day yeah. without personalization like actually putting in a line of personalization which takes its time to set up um, with automatic follow-ups that's going well um, any kind of agency that's doing b2b like lead gen yeah. ads all day long ads yeah. a great acquisition i think that if you're an e-com agency the ads is quite difficult it's a yeah. it's a lot the vsl funnel is a lot more complex you really need to have a distinct offer it's very hard to differentiate yourself from other agencies in yeah. e-com because everyone's offering guaranteed rise everyone's yeah, offering yeah. improve your hours everyone's offering a money back guarantee plus i'll give you 1k or whatever yeah, yeah. those things that people throw around so it's really hard to differentiate in those yeah. um but i think for a b2b lead gen it's it's great because you can be like i guarantee you 50 leads per month yep. and that you can have really great defined offers um but apart from that events as yeah. well networking events is a great way I, I what i find is like with most e-com brands 
people, you're, those brands are not buying the agency, they're buying the person, they're only buying the relationship. An agency is a commoditized business. Like it's Facebook ads, TikTok ads, UGC, they are literally commodities. Yeah. You've, got, you've got price to play with and you've got your offer, but your offer isn't differentiated. So the only thing you actually do have to bargain over is your personality and your relationship. That's really well put. Yeah, yeah I, I'm a big believer in people have to know you like you trust you before they transact with you. And mm. a lot of times I think that's a, uh, a, especially Google ads might be the one like outlier where it can mm. be fairly like you can just have a really smart guy or gal and you throw pizza under the door and yeah. they just crush it. Yeah. But outside of Google ads, I think um, all these other ad yeah. channels, especially you need that charismatic leader. And uh, most of these people are business owners themselves or the yeah. founders. And so they want to be sold. They want to yeah. be and they want to know, oh, this is this guy gets my vision. Mm -hmm. They get the exactly. Yeah, no, that's so well put. So you hinted at e-commerce thing. What is this? You want to spill some tea? Huh. Not yet. Well, well, not yet. But okay. like we're, we're so we're, we've we we thinking the other day. Like this is a very recent thing, actually, within the last month. Um, we're thinking that, that that and and this is something that really other agencies can do. But it makes sense for agencies, especially if you're in the e-commerce space, to actually have an e-com brand or a couple of e-com brands yep. of yourself, right? Me and Joe, we would actually the natural progression of our career. We do want to actually launch a a, a more in-depth brand. That really, we've got a great idea and concept for that. Um, that's not something we're going to be doing within the next six months or so, but that's something we'll work on a long a long-term brand. Yeah. Something an established meaning and an established product will take a lot more for. But we're going to launch a, a, a brand within the actual agency itself and actually cut in every member of the team that's currently in the team with caveats. But we want to incentivize everybody in the team to be working on the brand so they can understand the ins and outs of what it's actually like to be an e-commerce brand owner. And if they understand that, then they can provide a better service to all the clients that we work with. And it incentivizes them for long-term growth with the company. So I love that. We're going to explore that. Yeah, that's one of the bigger challenges I've seen at agencies is um, retention, but not for clients, but for superstar employees, because mm. they start to spin out and they just like, well, I'm just going to run my own agency. Yep. So how do you guys deal with that? Is there any tips for agency owners that you can mm. try and keep those star media buyers? Because, man, media, this yep. is the best time to be in media buying, in my opinion. Like yep. they are commanding a premium and it, it is challenging to find like it's a small talent pool yep. to find people that can run sure. effective ad accounts that can also manage clients that mm. can all, like, you know what I mean? Where they're this kind of really total package. Um, what do you guys do there? How do you guys skill up your employees? Can you give yeah. some people into like insight into that? So there's, there's a couple of things. I mean, we, we, we're very fortunate in the case that we have actually created our own lead pool through our education business because we, we help people start agencies, but a lot of people try and start an agency, realize it's actually really hard yeah. and then be like, do you know what? I don't want to do this, but maybe I want to work for an agency. Love that. So we, we always hire from within. We Love always that. hire from within our, from within our network. Um, and then those people don't necessarily have much media buying experience, but we just, we go for a very quick hiring, uh, training process. We have two calls per week, which are called ads chats, where every single member of our media buying team jumps on a call, group call. And we go through every single ad account that we've got. And then we critique every single ad account. So it's that. That's cool. Yeah. So everybody can is essentially having input on every single brand that we're working with and they give ideas. And so it's ongoing training, but it's also an opportunity for people to have input on other companies that are not actually working with. That's really cool. Yeah. And are you guys all remote or are you guys on prem or how do you guys structure your company? Yeah, we we are we are all remote. Um Amazing. we don't we don't want to have an office. Well, we do want to have an office, but really just uh just uh it's it'll just be like a fun 
thing. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we've got some cool ideas for what we'd like to do there. But but we, but I'll I tell you one the final thing that we do very differently to other agencies. And I actually haven't met another agency that does this with their media buyers. We give our media buyers commission. So oh. they get they get a commission off the revenue that they manage from the ad accounts. So all of our That's clients are on cool. commission. So they're either on a percentage of ad spend or a percentage of ROAS. Yeah. So if a, if a media buyer is managing, I don't know, eight clients or 10 clients, for yeah. example, however much revenue that our company, the agency generates from that client, they will get a percentage of that. So they're incentivized cool. for the growth of our clients. And yeah. therefore, they're also incentivized for the growth of our agency because the more the agency grows, the better clients we get, the higher ticket yeah. they are, the bigger brands, and then that goes to the media buyer. I really like that a lot. Mm. So if you can build your book bigger, then you get paid more. Or exactly. if you're managing a bigger book, then you get, yeah. that's a really cool mm. way to do it. I never think of that. Yeah, That's I believe amazing. that everybody, every I think that every single person in an agency could be incentivized in some way. And I believe that every agency should incentivize all of their employees through some kind of commission structure based on the revenue they're managing. Yeah, I think that's the path. I used to make a decent salary at my agency, but there's a certain aspect of like, it just caps out where you're just like, and then yeah. you, you start moving the goalposts of, of like, course. oh, you need to get another client, another client, another client, yeah. you're managing 80 million clients. And then <laughs> again, it's okay until it isn't right. Yeah. And then one thing breaks, another thing breaks, and then you're just like yeah. stressed to the gills. That's a really, that's super, super interesting. Mm. Um, I really like the idea too of maybe you don't want to work at an agency or own an agency, but work in an agency. I think that's really good. Mm. Do you think, if somebody's starting out and they have an opportunity to work in brand or in an agency, what would you recommend? Uh, as in like, as an e like, in yeah, an if, I, if I'm like an up and coming media buyer and I want to sharpen the sword and I want to be, you know, become uh, a top tier elite yeah. kind of marketer, do you think in in-house brand experience is better or do you think going to an agency is better? I think going to an agency is better from that standpoint, just purely because of the diversification of yeah, the brands that you're going to be working with. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like there's working with an agency never really is never really going to be a true representation of marketing for an actual brand that's fair because you don't have that skin in the game of like oh your marketing doesn't depend on the business success and that business success doesn't your livelihood doesn't depend on that that's you know fair. so that having that pressure of like that's why we want to do this thing where every single team member is cut in because we want them to feel the pressure of wow if these creatives that i'm launching don't work then the whole team are going to know that and everybody's pocket is going to be affected by it yeah. and i think that adds a whole another level of of motivation yeah. yeah no that's a really good way to look at it i love that uh, kind of switching gears a little bit you have a great youtube channel how mm. did you start that how did you grow it what mm. are what are some people that who want to get into youtube start it get into it yeah. any advice there yeah so i mean youtube's really about documentation like yeah. i mean for me anyway um that's the that, that's the long grow um actually i'm not sure i would recommend that to people who are just getting started i i documented um i documented my journey but i documented really what i was learning so if I just learned something about, I don't know, how I made my first 5K or how I signed a client or how I got a certain amount of results, I would then create a tutorial video mm -hmm. for that on YouTube. But really, it's a, it's in my opinion, it's the the most profitable social media platform, personal branding platform that you can totally build agree. yourself. Like, yeah. but it's also the hardest. Like, yeah. it takes so much more time. It's not something you are. That yes, there are people out there that will grow to 100k in six months, but that's not going to be you. Like, yeah. that's that's a unicorn case where something really, really fortunate just happened to that person, or they just had some kind of 
some, some, something clicked within their personality that people just responded really well to it. Yep. But for the majority of people, it's going to take you years to get to that. Yep. It's probably going to take you years, like a year or two to get to even that 10K point. But then as with everything, that snowball happens yeah. and like people, you get that social proof when people look at you and they think you're somebody. So they just subscribe to you automatically because of that. Um, and I think that comes into play. But it really is for me, it was one video a week, every week. And it has been for the last four and a half years. Um, we now got a second channel where we do another video on there as well. But always really high value content. Like I always say on YouTube, like you give more away for free than other people would have you pay for. Yeah. Um, I've always given away a ton of free content. And, and I think that's why people respect the brand. Um, so yeah, YouTube has been incredible for me. I mean, it's, it's, it's spread so many opportunities. Um, yeah. You're fantastic on camera too. Did you, how do people build out a team or do you do the editing or do you have an editor? Like, cause that's the other yeah. thing I've always, like your videos are so high, mm. like the production value is really there mm. and there's these cool cuts of B roll and like mm. all this stuff. Like how do you manage a team or like, how does that work? Yeah. Cause I've always wondered that. Cause that's a lot to do, right. To For not sure. only script it, to film it. And then edit it, and then like yeah. that's so much work. How does how like what's your workflow? Like? Yeah, so I I actually see, I see the the personal brand like the YouTube as like almost a separate entity, like a separate business, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and treat it as such. Yeah. Um. And so I mean, I used to edit all of my videos up until about two years ago. Then I hired Dan, who's my content manager. He was just a video editor to start off yeah. with. Now he's been submerged by my brand for so long. Like he is, uh, yeah, he's now our content manager. So he manages, um, he comes up with content ideas, keywords. He does, he uh, he manages, we've got an editor, we've got a full-time video editor. And we've also just hired a full-time um, uh, short form video editor as well. So we've been yeah. putting out more short form content and distributing that because that's where we're going. Um, but Dan will essentially manage that team and then manage the content ideas, manage the workflow. Um, when we edit videos, we use a tool called Frame.io, which is really yep. great, which you can upload and you can you can you can go through. Um, so yeah, I, I'm very much. I wanted it for YouTube because for me, because I'm running the businesses. Yeah. I have I allocate Wednesdays as my content day, that's and that's brilliant. when I when I create content. But I wanted to sit down in front of a computer, have the content title, and maybe a couple of bullet points that are going to guide me. But I want to see a title, a couple of bullet points, and then I will just talk from within what actually makes yeah. sense. Uh, if that video requires, I don't know, me to use something on a computer, I want that planned out. Yeah. Um, so really, I just want to sit there and just get shit done, that's and then brilliant. edit the content. Yeah. I need to take your advice on that. That's brilliant because I think. It, you're you're so right where not only is youtube such a high ceiling for roi it's compounding and mm. so you need to get the reps in first because even mr beast casey neistat like all these massive people like they didn't just there's to your point like even the biggest people it's so rare to go mm. from zero to 60 like you know, marcus brownlee yeah. even like all these people are they've been making videos for years some 10 years yeah making videos on youtube and then you you forget I think that's the funny thing about success where people will attribute kind of post hoc or they're yeah. lucky or whatever. And you're like, yeah. is 10 years of grinding and putting a video every day mm -hmm. luck? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. That doesn't sound like luck to me. It sounds yeah. like just getting up every day, sharpening the sword. And I love the efficiency that you have in yours where that's kind of what I need to do. Cause like you, like my time is so hard to fendangle, but mm. being able to just say, Hey, today's going to be cause it's such a high ROI activity, right? Yeah. Let's do Wednesdays, Rob. Every Wednesday, and you just come in like the talent, and you just yeah. here's what you need to do. Here's the title, blah, blah blah. Boom, bing it, and then put it through your little content machine, and then bish bash bosh, off you go. Exactly. I mean, this is the thing with YouTube as well, though. It's like it's not just okay, you post YouTube videos anymore. It is literally it's the top of the funnel for yeah. your for your. It's, it's so well top, put. 
Uh, and and also like it's it, you can also distribute so much more content from that yeah. like like from this alone there's going to be so many little snippets that you'll be yeah. able to redistribute across your Very channels from, across all different all, all different channels and i think that's something that people overlook and i think also something that people overlook on youtube is they look at people like mr beast and they look at all these big guys and they look at all these 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 youtube celebrities and they they don't actually start because they're like i'm never going to get to that point um but there's actually very few of these 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 youtube YouTubers, I suppose you could call yeah. them, um, actually understand business and actually yeah. understand how to monetize an audience. Yeah. You don't need a massive audience to monetize. You don't so need massive audience. I had like 20K followers when I literally made over half a million yeah. from YouTube, like from, so from, from program sales. Um, I, I've created content for you guys, which has made a zillion dollars you're a top huge amount top of money. partner yeah, yeah from, from from a couple of videos i've made i made a video for snapchat i made one video for snapchat and they've made over three million dollars from it yeah crazy yeah. and that's not massive audience we're not talking yeah. about hundreds of thousands of views on these videos so we're just talking about a very high quality small audience that has been uh, used to me putting out valuable content and therefore trust my judgment on stuff um so yeah i, th I think i think people People don't start because they think that you have to be massive to actually make some money, but like you can make serious amounts of money and it can be a serious income stream for your business with just a small audience. I love that you made that point because there's there's a few things I want to say there because I think it's just, just so spot on. One, there's a difference between attention and intention, right? There's a great tweet thread about that. And um, that's why I'm not bearish on TikTok, but I feel like TikTok is very attention generative, mm. but it's very hard to generate intention mm -hmm. there. And intention is where money is. Attention yeah. is like, depending on what, like if you're selling a video off of CPMs or something like mm. that or reach, it's like, okay, cool. Then you want the biggest audience. But a lot of people aren't. And to your point, there's riches and niches, right? Like if mm. you can be the person for, so I'm a big sneakerhead. If you can be the person for sneakers, like, and you can generate sales for sneakers, like, People are going to come to you for that. And you don't need 100,000 followers. You yeah. just need, there's a great essay by a guy named Kevin Kelly called A Thousand True Fans. And if you get 1,000 people that really care about you, really mm. care about what you're talking about, and give you X amount of money a year, you can make a hell of a living. Yeah. And 1,000 people is yeah. really like, especially in internet numbers or mm. even YouTube numbers, is really nothing. Yeah. Like you can definitely do that. So I, I really, that's such a well put point of like, you can do it and start today because you don't need this huge audience. You really don't. No. And you can have a lot of impact and again, make a lot of money, quite frankly, yeah. from a, a really like quote unquote small audience because yeah. it's so concentrated with intent that you can then siphon off that intent to whether yeah. it be your other monetization products or helping other businesses get farther down the road yeah. um, in terms of customer acquisition mm -hmm. or getting a certain message out or something like that. That's really, really well put. I like that. I think I think it's really, it's really important for people to understand that it's also security for their business as well. Yes. Because like, if, if your ad account goes gets banned and you've got like two weeks downtime or, so, or, or you haven't got any other channels and you just rely on Facebook or just TikTok and so on and so forth, like you wouldn't do that in your investment portfolio. You wouldn't yeah. put all your eggs in just one thing, right? You're going to diversify across different platforms and organic is going to always going to be there and organic like is never going to die like unless you stop putting out content for whatever reason. Um, and, 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 and that psychologically as well actually just relieves so much. It allows you to make better decisions in the business because you're not always worrying about, okay, where's my ad spend going? What's this? What do I have to worry about this return on investment? Do I have to worry about X, Y, Z content? Like, because your organic is always going to have 
this pool of evergreen content that you've created years beforehand that's totally. going to keep coming back. Yeah, that's another thing that I, I really love that you touched on is that that evergreen content lives. It's almost like a blog article, right? Like mm. there's like YouTube's the second biggest search engine. Yeah. And so like there's all these things that you can. That's why I think the tutorial and documentary is a really good angle mm. um, because you can people can search for X, Y, or Z problem yep. and then they find you and then you mm. solve their problem, you make this emotional connection with them. You're like yeah. boys for life. You just get yeah. to your point, give, give as much way for free as you can. Like mm. this person's invested in you and they're, they're in, they're yeah. in this network. And then eventually if you need to monetize or, you know, at worst they're telling their friends and now you have these yeah. second, third order knock on effects. Um, okay. One last question about the YouTubes. What are your thoughts on short? So you kind of mentioned that you you really are might be leaning into kind of this short form content. Mm. It seems like there's a ton of uh, even Instagram reels, shorts and TikToks are all kind of the same medium, right? It's just different yeah. networks. What are your thoughts there? So my, my opinion on shorts is... Um, I mean, I mean, I'm really, if you're putting out long form content, you're kind of crazy if you're not putting out shorts. Yeah. Like, oh, cause you just slice it up. You're just slicing it up. Right. It's and brilliant. it does take a lot of infrastructure. And actually I think just like putting it out there, like, I think everybody's got a lot to learn from what happened with Andrew Tate yeah. and, and, and what happened there with that marketing God, strategy God, and, yeah. and all that content. Right. You were talking about someone that literally like was outranking Kim Kardashian because of the fact that he had enough short form content being put out there on enough channels, right? It's just literally like a hack of the algorithm. Now, yes, okay, you could say that like controversial content will have some for something to play in that. Yeah. But valuable content is is, is going to have as much input. It might not be have the same input as controversial content, but valuable content is going to have the same in an industry. Um, and so if you just take a micro version of that, like it's I mean Gary V's been doing it for years, right? He's been ramming it down people's throat, like content, content, content. Now people are just listening to it tiktok exists but he was ramming it down people's throat like way before tiktok right nobody's listening and i just think like it's one of those things it's, it's almost just like it's almost just a bit it's just not very smart if you're putting out long-form content not to be putting out the short-form yeah. stuff and you can literally get a short-form video editor full-time for like fifteen hundred dollars a month in, a, in another country and they're getting paid really good money for where they're based um having a great quality of life but also then smashing out 10 bits of short-form content yep. a day for you you'd be crazy not to do that the return on investment is going to be there yeah no i'm with you on that that's actually something um, we're leaning heavily into now is being able to just cut up like even these little podcast clips or something yeah. where we have a 45 minute hour long podcast and you just take these really nice snippets. Um, we actually even use a, we're actually using OBS right now because we're doing it in person. But when mm. we do virtual, we use something called riverside.fm mm. and there's even the ability to just, uh, we basically upload all or the, we'll do the podcast and then everything sits in Riverside and you can actually even make clips right in Riverside that nice. you can dump out, makes it even easier for your video editor. That's cool. You get all these clips. Yeah. I, I, I think you're absolutely right. And to your point on ROI, like you just get even more out of the asset where not only do you have this long form that you're putting on YouTube, you have these shorts that you're putting on YouTube, mm. Instagram, possibly TikTok. Like there's four deliverability mechanisms yeah. that you have there where there's just a certain aspect of getting the reps in, man, is like, it's the Gary Vee thing, right? Yeah. Just do the work and put it out there and yeah. you kind of will figure it out. Obviously you want to generate value. You don't mm. want to just do, be doing fluff for fluff's sake, but um, I love I'm, that. I mean, I've, I've had like videos, long form videos on YouTube that I've had like 5K views and I thought, okay, that didn't go too well. And then I... But we've put out like a short from within that and it's had like 20k views yeah so like the short sometimes get more, more views than the actual long form itself um rogan yeah. was i think the pioneer of that right where 100%. he would he would have these uh, i remember there was there was so many there's still out there but so many little cottage channels that weren't even affiliated with jre yeah but somehow they would have like the the episode clip faster than everybody else and then you would see clips of the episode yeah. 
go out before the actual episode dropped and these are like million million mm-hmm. views two million views you're like what the hell's going on these and they're monetizing it too yeah. so it's like these people are basically just chopping up somebody else's show and they're printing money yeah and it's crazy I, I, I saw actually i think i i've forgotten where he spoke about it but he spoke about it and he said that it became so much of a problem that they've had to start editing everything live like so the <laughs> podcast so you have to edit everything live so it's ready to go so it has to be posted the minute the podcast like like it has to all go at the same time because if not like these other people were Just taking all, take the, all views the views, from views. All the, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah it's brilliant man yeah. i love it um, yeah, we're going to lean into shorts, so we're pretty pretty um, bullish on it as well. It, if nothing more so than getting the the more more longevity out of the content and you can bring... In a weird way, it's almost like hooks into the longer lecture, right? Yeah. It's like the back of the book. Like, yeah, here's this, here's sure. that. And then you're like, oh, okay, I'll go listen to this for an hour versus yeah. somebody who doesn't know you. It's hard to get them on the hook for I mean, 20, it's, 30, it's, 45 minutes. It's even more top of funnel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah so like, well put. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Yeah. All right, you ready for rapid fire? I'm ready for it. All right, let me grab the questions. Oh, I also, I, I also remember, knew the, the answer to the question of what somebody did well for me. I didn't want to say something. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. hey, look at coming back. Amazing. <laughs> um, so I, I would say my, when I was in, when I started university, I had no laptop. My dad yeah. lent me his and it was yeah. his work laptop, um, which was really amazing because um, like he didn't have another one. So um, yeah, he gave me that and um, that was awesome. And then, um, and then th- this last six months, I I, I bought him a, a brand new MacBook as well. So oh, that has to and, feel and, good, and right? No, like f- when you because you gave me yours when I needed it the most. Look so, at that, yeah, completing yeah. the circle. Yeah, shout so out Papa nice. Platinum. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. That's wonderful yeah. stuff. Amazing man. Um, all right, here we go. Rapid fire. TikTok overrated, underrated. Uh, underrated. Ooh, okay. YouTube overrated, underrated. 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 Okay. London overrated, underrated. Overrated. Over- same. I, it was a cool city, but not not for me. TikTok's underrated. Uh, overrated, by the way. TikTok's overrated. TikTok's okay. Definitely overrated. Sw- yeah. Switching back. Okay. Overrated. Yeah. I, I wonder where it goes. Right. Like. It, it, I just think there's just there's too much shit going too on. Too much shit right goes. Same here. Yeah. Like I. Yeah. It's trying to be YouTube, but not YouTube. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, it's li- it's literally top of funnel only fans. That's yeah. basically what TikTok yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Uh, I'm. I'm getting a little more bearish on it because so we had a, a great. Sorry to take over your rapid fire, but just small digression. <laughs> yeah. We had a really great TikTok guy, and he really did awesome for our TikTok account mm. and we were hitting million views on a few of our TikTok doing yeah. well zero business impact yeah and it goes back to me yeah. i think it's a great attention platform yeah terrible intention platforms so i just think people do it off of it unemotionally do yes. it unemotionally take your t- take your reels post them on instagram post them on tiktok just be unemotional I, I think that's the path um shopify overrated underrated 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 love it powerful ottawa crypto overrated underrated overrated overrated Easy to say now, right? It's, just, uh, yeah. it's, it's falling out, man. <laughs> no, it's I mean, I mean, I, well, underrated to the masses, overrated to the crypto market, right? Fair like, play. Yeah. Fair play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you could do a collab with anyone, who would it be? Oh, man. I don't even know the answer to that question. That's like a... a I got no- you twice? Huh? I got you twice with the, the nice question. Now the rapid fire? I, I collab with someone. Who would I do a collab with? Oh, Gordon Ramsay, man. There we go. All day long. There we go. I love that guy. Yeah, he's fantastic. That's a great, that's great. Um, Oh, perfect segue. Uh, Favorite meal and why? Oh, favorite meal. Uh, It's got to be a classic chili. Okay. Like like a nice chili con carne. And it's just, because it's just wholesome. Like it's just, and I like, I like food and camping, right? And you can put up, brew a chili in front of a fire. Like there's something primal about that. Beans or no beans? 
beans. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. It's not chili without beans, people. <laughs> oh, you, you can you can come at me. Um, your favorite YouTube channel? Uh, do you know I'm, I'm I'm a YouTuber that doesn't watch YouTube? So oh, you want to know? It's amazing. Okay, so I would have to say Joe Rogan's podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's great. He's he's really good. Uh, favorite place travel to and why? Um, Italy. Uh, yeah. Stunning. Just absolutely stunning country. Food's amazing. Culture's amazing. Family. Um, and it's just green and just beautiful. Yeah, that's on the list. I want to do Milan, Como, the, the whole thing. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, very good. Um, okay, last question. If you could have dinner with three people, dead or alive, fictional or non-fictional, who would they be? So you're hosting a dinner. Jordan's at the head of the table. You get to invite three people. Who's getting the invites? Uh, Gordon Ramsay. Amazing. Steve Jobs. Amazing. And, oh, man. Oh man, who 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 would the Winston Churchill? Oh, huge Winston guy. I was actually I read his whole biography. This guy, he is such a fascinating character, man. First off, he was never ever like basically he thought he was like passed up in politics, Navy Admiral, like did all the things, totally passed up in politics, and then basically kind of fandangles and way in with Chamberlain on the way out, mm-hmm. and then nobody likes him. This dude's drunk all the time yeah. smoking cigars Complex. all the time and some of the best pros some of the best speeches some he would walk around like freak everybody out because there would be bombing mm-hmm. raids in london that's what in the states you don't realize how bad it was in london with world oh, yeah. war ii like it was right in the face um where in the states outside of pretty much the civil war we haven't had any like war on the actual mainland minus hawaii but the mainland um He's one of my favorite idols. I love him. He's yeah. it's such a he's such a and talk about reps, like yeah. he he was just reps after reps after reps, and he, then he finally breaks through, and then arguably you know one of the best PM slash leaders of For the sure. world ever. For sure, that's a good table, man. Yeah, that's a great table. Yeah. Um, Jordan, where can the people find you? How can they get more involved in Affluent? Are you guys taking clients? This time's yours, my friend. Cool. Um, well, YouTube is my platform. If you want to learn more about like what a things i do I, I always document on there so just jordan platten p-l-a-t-t-e-n um affluent.co is my agency yes we're working with ecom brands if you're making over 20k a month then yeah sure reach out to me um we'd, we'd more than have to have a conversation worldwide as well right you're yeah all over the UK. world Amazing, yeah, we're, yeah we're all over the place mainly in the u.s but we're, we're all over the place Amazing. um and we just like working with, we love working with innovative brands like innovative brands that, that really want to make an impact on the world um and lastly slap if you're an agency owner yeah check me out on youtube and amazing yeah. and then are you doing any events agency events coming up or anything you want to plug uh yeah so i mean i've got a um i've got a like a high-end mastermind that we've got into loom in february oh next year gosh. yeah we're gonna seven days into loom we've got a mega mansion man. oh it's my god absolutely gosh. unbelievable so if you're an agency only making over 20k and you want to get to 100k plus uh, yeah. whilst r- remaining happy and stress-free yes. and zen like very then, key then yeah amazing how do people get involved with that uh, well, if you get me on Instagram, Jordan okay. Platten. Amazing. Yeah, Instas, YouTubes, his YouTube channel is amazing. Jordan, thank you for coming out. We're going to head to go get some Lambert's barbecue. This is great, man. It's such awesome. a fun chat. I didn't realize that about Joe either. I love- Joe, yeah. we got to get you out here, you son of a bitch. Shout out to Joe. Shout out Joe. You're a really good dude. We got to uh, hang in bars. A really, really wicked smart guy. Um, you guys are an absolute powerhouse. Dude, thanks for all you do. I really appreciate the talk. If you do want to get more involved with Triple Whale, we are at or try or excuse me geez i'm fumbling you, you're just too good looking the, the good looks <laughs> are throwing me off uh triplewell.com is how you can get more involved we're on the bird app at triple well and then if you want to sign up for a fantastic newsletter it goes out every tuesday thursday called whale mail it's triplewell.com slash whale mail we'd love to have you 
And then we have a couple of events coming up in November 1. We have the Beluga Bash. It's our pickleball tournament. So we'll have the details of that coming out. And then we also have Creative Palooza on the 2nd and 3rd. If you want to learn more about how to make creative, how to measure creative, how to just everything creative, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be this cool festival vibe. You guys should obviously come out in November 2nd and 3rd. Sign-ups for that will be going up shortly. Jordan, again, thank you, my man. And that's it. That's another one in the books. Thanks to you for tuning in. Oh, and if you enjoyed You're Not Your Royals, be sure to tell your friends, subscribe, and do all those things. Thanks, everybody. Awesome.